Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Women Who Rebrand. This week we are talking about neurodiverse friendships and communities with ADHD Babes. Today we are joined with Vivian, the founder and director of ADHD Babes, and Salon, member and volunteer of ADHD Babes. Welcome. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Our special co-host today is Chioma. Welcome, Chioma. Hi, Sarita. Hi, ADHD Babes. So yeah, let's get into it. Women Who Rebrand is a UK-based lifestyle platform that champions growth, inspiring women to live authentically while navigating the challenges of modern day life. The platform is home to the self-titled podcast and insightful articles covering careers, health and wellness and relationships. Join our online community at Women Who Rebrand. ADHD Babes is a community group for black women and non-binary people with ADHD. They create safer spaces for ADHDers to flourish and live their lives to their fullest potential. So we are talking about um, community, friendships. Um, Yeah, I I can't wait. So um, Vivian, tell us about what motivated you to create ADHD Babes. I would say, well, I got diagnosed quite late. Um, I think I was like 23, 24. And the person I was with at the time, they were like super on it, just like on Google, on Reddit, trying to understand everything. Um, and then one of their things is, oh, let's go and find a support group so we can like, you know, make sense of it. So they kept trying to go into this, this couple was ADHD support group that met in Costa. And we were just always like the only black people there. We were always um, the youngest there. And it just felt really difficult to feel like the space was made with me in mind. Uh, so I stopped going and they were like, no, you know, let's try, let's, you know, make an effort. And I explained that, you know, I don't feel, like I said, I don't feel like the space was made with me in mind. So they was like, okay, why don't you make your own? And I was like, good point. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and then jumped on Facebook on all the ADHD groups, like, hey, any black women in London have ADHD? Um, and then, yeah, it kind of really just snowballed from there um, over time. But that was the original reason, kind of just not. Yeah, not seeing that there was a space uh, for people that looked like me or had similar experiences. Wow. Wow. And even though you got your diagnosis at 21, you still felt like you were the youngest in these groups. Yeah, no, by far we were. I think I was 23. But um, yeah, I think the person, if I remember correctly, like the person above us was like in their mid-30s. So maybe it was just that specific group on Meetup. But yeah, I don't know. Hmm, wow. And Selom, what about you then? Can you tell us how you got involved and, and why you feel a community like ADHD Babes is so important? Um, yeah, so basically I've, I've lived on the internet since I was a kid. So I've always been on forums, Guy Online, Habbo Hotel, you know, all those things Wait. back in the day. <laughs> um, you know, and um, yeah, as I was like, being less in denial about like my ADHD and my autism I was just trying to find likewise more black people who actually understood more nuanced cultural 
and um, also just kind of the racial aspect on top of it of being neurodivergent. And I can't actually remember how I came to find ADHD Bays, but it's history from them because it was actually ADHD Bays and the members within there who convinced me to try with this good old NHS again to pursue my diagnosis right before all the um, waiting lists got super, super long. So yeah, I'm always grateful for that. So when did you actually um, go through the diagnosis process? You said before it got super long. Was that before COVID? Or? Um, no, so uh, December 2020 was when I just sent the email. Oh. So I'd been like mulling over it for about six months. And then finally, people in the Discord group were just like, do it, just do it. So I, I did it. Yeah. Has it made a difference to how you feel since having a diagnosis? Um, I think it's just a validation or a vindication uh, for me. Like there are still a lot of hurdles for me at the moment that I still have to overcome, especially because like medication doesn't really work very well for me, which can sometimes be very common if you're also autistic as well. I'm generally, I don't generally do well with any medication. So I'm not that surprised, but it's definitely changed because like, I live on the Discord now and the um, the support groups we have on Zoom, they are so restorative for me when, you know, you just really need like-minded people. Even if you don't aren't like-minded, just like similar experiences for that kind of, yeah, it's just like a warm hug and I hate hugs. So <laughs> this is a good <laughs> hug. I don't like yeah, that. yeah. If, it's, if you're gonna hug, you might as well do a decent one. Otherwise, it's gonna be pointless, Thank isn't it? You're just touching for the sake like of that soft, soft, no, no, no pressure hug. It's like, are you fondling yeah. me yeah. or is this a hug? Like, what's going oh, on? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like lukewarm hugs. Nah, yeah. thanks. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> pointless. So you are both talking about different kind of social media platforms and stuff like that. I've only become aware. Of, well, again, I'm I'm gonna sound a bit slightly older than you too. So if I was in the groups, you'd have been like, "Yeah, shut up." Still, oh, no. Any but, welcome. Um, <laughs> Discord. I I um I think I joined like a writing community on Discord um last year, and I just felt super overwhelmed. There's just so many fonts. I didn't know what to do. It was all black. And I was like, I, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too much. And just ping, ping, ping all the time. But you were both mentioning different other, like different platforms. Hmm. Are you still on those platforms? And what, what, what are they? Um, yeah, so I still, I'm still on the Facebook group. So there's a mm-hmm. Facebook group uh, started by Renee in America. Um Black Girl Lost Keys, uh, if you know them. And I'm in that group on Facebook as well. Um, I don't really engage with the UK women um, group anymore, which is more um, white. Not because, well, yeah, it is also that because of the cultural aspect side. Um, uh, So, yeah, the main one is the the Unicorns group on Facebook. But, yeah, I live live on Facebook. Discord and then also Instagram. I follow different people on Instagram as well. And Vivian? Yeah, like the Facebook group is still there. It's not as active as when like it was first made because we kind of moved onto WhatsApp. Uh, so then we yeah, got the WhatsApp group and then we moved on to like Twitter and Instagram. So that's like a lot more active. And then we have the Discord channel. Um, 
where yeah the majority of people are actually and it was kind of a way up because the whatsapp group got a bit too big so then that felt super overwhelming because like having constant messages on the phone so then with discord it's like even though you still get lots of messages you can like tailor your notification so it doesn't kind of go off all the time um and then also like salon did a really salon did a really cool thing um where people can choose like what their interests are so they only get updates on the things that they choose which made it a lot easier as well um but those are the the four main yeah no five main ones five main ones for adhd babes yeah Mm -hmm. and see you're looking at me in confusion here (laughs) (laughs) have you been on discord I don't know what you people are talking about. Like, literally, Instagram, Facebook, like Twitter, and I'm done. That's me. Okay. Well, maybe um, we should check it out because yeah, yeah, it is good yeah. because, like you were saying, you can you can have a group and then there's different subcategories. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. You can go into as well. And I completely understand why yeah. people feel overwhelmed as well. Maybe because I am an internet baby. I've been on the internet <laughs> since 2000, so nothing really phases me no more. But um, yeah, it, that's why like I completely turn off as soon as I join a Discord server. I turn off all the notifications. There's no way you're gonna notify me unless you like directly at me by my name, and then I tailor it from right. there. So I go backwards because otherwise it's a no for me. I don't even have my notifications on WhatsApp, Instagram. If you wanna reach me, like beep me, like literally text me on my on my government phone number before you're gonna get me. <laughs> Oh, cool. I love that. Both of you have mentioned um, the ethnicity aspect of the ADHD and um, Salon for you, the autism as well. I'm just interested in understanding what that brings to a diagnosis of ADHD. So is, does it manifest differently in somebody who is white British here in this country as opposed to somebody who has a different ethnic cultural background who is also in this country? Can you talk a bit about that? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Um, I know that at least, you know, I know people that have gone through the diagnostic process and in like in so many words been told that their experience of ADHD is not severe enough to be given a diagnosis. Um, and actually when they talk to like other people from the community, we understand that that's because they had to mask because you can't be running up and down as a young black girl in a Nigerian household. You will receive something, and that's not what you want to do. So you learn ways of, you know, masking, hide it. You know, you you sit on your, um, what's that saying? Sit on your hands or whatever it is. Like, you find ways to manage or you let it out in a different way. So I know for me, for example, it was excessively doing sports. If I didn't do all the sports I did in secondary school, I definitely wouldn't have got through the system, um, you know, as I barely did. So I think in terms of how we've had to live through it, I think there's a lot less space for us to show those within the cultural norms. And even for women in general, like they found that we're more likely to be diagnosed with inattentive. So then if you add the cultural aspect of kind of, you know, not wanting to be seen um, as like being disrespectful or, you know, not being organised, all these things that are like expected as for, for women from our community culturally like it kind of yeah it's just a double whammy of things being missed um and I don't think that's noticed enough within professionals um so I think that yeah it contributes to how people go through the process and also why professionals don't notice as well because they might a lot of people might get diagnosed with depression and anxiety first 
but then they haven't seen anything else because they just kind of see that as the whole picture. Um, and I do wonder if that would be the case if yeah, we weren't back. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Like, I'm really going to try and do a short anecdote before it turns into never end the story. But, like, I was one of those people who got good grades in school. Like, I had to, like, when I went to secondary school, my mom was sick with cancer. So already was that kind of pressure of, like, don't cause don't cause problems to bring home but then already it was always that like what are your grades what are your grades ob why is it an a kind of environment but it was also like no matter how much you're quiet in school you just do one tiny thing and it's over for you so it didn't matter if you were more on the hyperactive side physically or if you were more hyperactive or inattentive because as soon as you take one step out of place it's suddenly oh isolation detention somehow and and you don't even know how like it only happened to me once and like I didn't I I was being bullied but I somehow got isolation and detention so that just speaks to you like if you were to speak those stories in certain spaces they might not understand but for me it's more the cultural side of my parents were born in the 50s Ghanaian very traditional like not acknowledging mental health not acknowledging neurodivergence and just not acknowledging like not riding that capitalist wave of doctor lawyer whatever you know so yeah (laughs) accountants that was the third one I I forgot thank you (laughs) Or, or don't forget engineering, please. Don't forget, don't leave that one out. <laughs> Is it civil or mechanical <laughs> engineer? <laughs> Do you know what? It's funny. I can totally relate, even though I know there is a significant um, age difference. And I grew up going to school in the 80s and 90s. Um, but very similar similarities. So I only got recently diagnosed. I'm, I'm 40. Um, but a lot of the things, I guess I didn't, I couldn't really relate with the traits that I was seeing at first because it was like timekeeping. Well, as a kid, I weren't allowed to be late. I weren't allowed to be disorganized. So I had to get that stuff sorted. But yeah, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression, first of all. And then I um, actually went to counseling, um, kind of worked on that. And that's when all the other traits started to appear. Like, they were there before, but they were just mm-hmm. like really obvious. Cause I guess, I guess I was just comfortable being myself and comfortable being me. So then all these other things came out and I was like, hold on. And I was looking into the traits. And then again, one of the things I was doing when I was doing all the research was listening to ADHD babes. And there was a particular episode that I was listening to and <laughs> everyone was just having fun. And it was just like the way your conversations flowed and changed direction and then came back Mm. and I was like hold on I thought that was amazing you mean other people speak like this and it's just it was mind-blowing honestly because I've never met although I've met people with ADHD and autism I've never met black females and black UK females and it's so interesting how similar mm. we are so it's like like a mind-blowing experience though when you know yourself but then mm. know people like you I'm very grateful that you've um put a community together because it's just mm. bloody amazing bloody <laughs> amazing so back to the topic um because <laughs> I love a tangent me 
Um, as ADHDers and so long, you're um, you've got autism as well. Have you ever had issues making friends and maintaining relationships? <laughs> and also, um, <laughs> I'm guessing, yeah, so whatever. Um, <laughs> and has ADHD babes <laughs> made a difference? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's just funny because have I? <laughs> Um, yeah, my whole life. <laughs> so not only as a immigrant um, who like left their birth country. And then, like I said, when I started secondary school, I was living with my mom. So I also then left my, my primary school as well. So then I just left all those friends that I had just made for the past three years in the primary school so I think that was a part of it too but also like for me the way I process time I won't see you for 10 years I won't utter a whisper towards you and I'll see you and I'll be like oh you're all right like I saw you yesterday meanwhile that person will be like um I don't know you like that (laughs) who you're talking to um so for me maintaining relationships can sometimes be really difficult because I have to remind myself and I I kind of have to go through a ledger where I'm like going through different names or like, you know, being like, oh yeah, last time we talked about that. Maybe it's now time to ask them, how is that going? It's kind of like having a little um, secretary in my head to be like, don't forget your 12 o'clock, like, you know, to catch up with people. And it's also why I use social media so much because having that visual, having them visually in front of me, posting about their bagel or their trip to Malagu for whatever, then I'm like, oh, yeah, don't forget to to um, talk to that person. And for me, I don't have that many, quote, unquote, close friends um, or the kind of traditional friendships you would see, like girls trip abroad or, or anything like that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I would say I don't have very standard, insecure type uh, friendships, uh, you know, and um, I think the people who are closest to me know that I might disappear or like I might not really be able to t- talk to them fully sometimes, or that like when I say things, I don't have hidden meaning. That's one of the worst ones when people keep assuming that I have hidden intentions or hidden meanings behind what I'm doing or saying. And it sounds like it must be quite I'm making massive assumptions, but is it? tiring to try to keep up with these friendships it's exhausting I'm just it's a, just a constant uh, mental fatigue just for the friendship side then what about your your life like all your life admin and all of the rest of it on top it's, yeah. it's very um yeah. draining yeah so ADHD babes <laughs> I just remember <laughs> yeah it, it really really helps because like we although we're not all the same like for me I really make a conscious effort to not just leave my friends on red and things like that um I'm not one of those people that if they say like oh what did you eat today I'm not like oh I'm so sorry I didn't reply in 24 hours like not like that but if they're like literally having a quite deep like interaction with me I always make sure that I reply to them even if it's like I'm really sorry I can't reply right now but I'll get back to you um, if I remember, but with ADHD babes, so many people like understand that and you can like dip in and dip out and just chat with people about all the different interests or 
struggles that you're having or difficulties that you're having, that it kind of just feels like a place without judgment. And it's nice. Relatable content right there. Vivian? <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, yeah, I've also struggled um, with maintaining friendships. I think I've been really lucky uh, in a sense that a lot of my kind of childhood, um, early teens, early 20 friendships, we all happen to end up all having ADHD and getting diagnosed in adulthood, um, which I think explains why. Wow. Yeah, but I said, nah, this is weird. <laughs> it worked one, it worked two, it worked three, it worked Something four. Something over there. Listen, I said, this is making sense, because obviously this is why I've been able to be friends. Just <laughs> really going through. Um, yeah, so I think I've been really lucky in that regard, because it's meant that yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot more like understanding and compassion if people do kind of dip out um, and dip in, and also like the effort is there. So even if it is like like someone said that okay, um, I've dipped out for a bit, but I'm um, coming back, kind of just like acknowledging it and saying it, and then being able to just pick up where we left off, and that's been okay. Um, so I think that's made it a lot easier. But there's still been friendships that. In the peak of my emotional dysregulation, you know, maybe I've made a rash decision, maybe I've been a bit black and white, and, you know, made impulsive decisions to block and delete, but not everything blocker, blocker, blocker. So, yeah, I think I'm definitely... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm definitely great <laughs> in that regard. Wow. The, the hidden meanings and hidden agendas, my gosh. That is something that I have struggled with my whole entire life and obviously only mm. realised now. But see, when I tell you, when I meet people or even have friendships, or whether it's personal friendships or work colleagues, there's something about the way that neurotypical people will have conversations, but the words they're saying do not mean the words that they mean. And it's so <laughs> confusing. And yeah. then because... I wish they could see us all reacting. In my brain, I'm like, wait, I have to really concentrate on what they're saying and then think about what they actually mean and then come back to that and then figure out how to respond so they don't think I'm talking. Like, mm. the amount of conversation yeah. I've, I've had where I've had a conversation and I've gone away and I'm like, right, they didn't actually mean what they said. And the hardest thing for me is people assume that I'm on that level mm -hmm. too. So I've had a lot of fallings out. And seen knows I've fallen out with people on social media or whatever. I'm blocker, blocker, blocker. And I'm like, <laughs> why did they block me? Because, and it's not until afterwards, I'm like, ah, they thought I was doing this. And again, I've, I've fallen out with friends or whatever because they just assumed what I said wasn't what I meant. And I'm like, well, why would I use words that would not mean what I'm saying? It's so, <laughs> <laughs> it's so confusing. Oh, it you know what? It's, so, it's, it's so interesting because um, I, at work, I do um, a course on cultural awareness. And one of the things that we talk about is people who are from a completely different country, who have a different first language, and the problems that they have when they come to like England, they start speaking, interacting with people in English, and it's exactly what you're saying. But it's not like these, it's not about being um, neuro 
diverse or whatever. It's about just not understanding the way that English is spoken. So you've got that. That's the first layer. So people oh, already, language-wise, things in this country don't necessarily mean the things that they're supposed to mean. And they layer on top of that the, the neurodivergency that you're dealing with as well. I'm just like, you guys must be <laughs> super intelligent to have to be able to actually communicate with anybody because there's so much against you. Yeah, so you've not only got this secretary telling you your 12 o'clock is ready and waiting for you, but you've also got to be able to decipher the language that people are using and respond in a way that is appropriate for what they were intending, even though that's not even what they actually said in the first place. Yeah. It's my And I'm so glad that you put this out in the airways because this is like... This is more common for autistic people, especially. And there's a lot of studies and like papers going around about like where the link between ADHD and autism is, if they are encompassing spectrum or what, which I I don't know. But like I have found that not only is it like um, the translation of intention behind words or whatever, it's also just then the filter of being black on top of it. So immediately you're already aggressive if the tone is, I sometimes struggle with my tone, my tone. Sometimes I don't know I'm talking quietly. Sometimes I don't know I'm shouting and sometimes I'll be like talking and then I'll be like, oh my God, why am I shouting? Like I'll be offended by myself because suddenly my brain has just adjusted the volume and I'm like, oh God. And I startle myself. So like for me, I have a massive complex about being misunderstood, which then causes me to like, over explain things and have to make sure that everybody understands what I'm saying absolutely absolutely see knows mm. I shout all the time and especially all the time all I, the I time don't do it on purpose I don't do it on purpose and we love you anyway Serena. <laughs> well that's the thing I think with the friendships that work for me that those are the friendships that the pe- those people understand me and they know there's no malice exactly. behind. Sometimes I might blurt things out or say what's on my mind. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not being malicious or whatever. But it's just that kind of, for me, I just want to save time. So I'm going to say what I'm going to mean. And let's just do it that way. Because otherwise, I'm sitting there waiting for you to get to the point. I'm like, we could have done this in like three words. 100%. Like, come on, and please. I also think my time is boring. I also think they're like obviously our friends have a right to check and stuff but the key point is like ask clarifying questions don't just like if you know me and like I am more prone to just you know don't mince words then why would you constantly assume that I mean you harm why wouldn't you just be like oh this part that you said what do you mean but it's a double-edged sword because when I ask clarifying questions people think I'm condescending them they think that I have a, a intention to condescend them and they get yes. offended by me wanting to understand what they mean. So you can't win sometimes. Women Who Rebrand is a UK-based lifestyle platform. Join our online community at Women Who Rebrand. So Vivian, ADHD Babes um, are planning on providing support for um, the community, including access to discounted assessments and funding for assessments. So do you think that there are certain boundaries um, or factors that do affect starting or going through the diagnosis process for black people and for non-binary people? 
I think, firstly, the waiting lists are abysmal. They are like 24, in, in some boroughs, they're like three years long um, to get an assessment. I think the average at the moment is about two years. So just waiting times in general are just, yeah, there's not enough resources. Uh, and then it's such a weird, really, really weird. So the access to information of what ADHD looks like has been spread because of social media which in my opinion is brilliant because loads of people you know were locked in the house bored bored in the house locked in watching videos on tiktok and like oh my god that looks like me and then that was their pipeline to finally get a diagnosis and making sense of some of their experiences um and i think that's brilliant but then at the same time it's like on the professionals end They've now got this influx of loads of people using the words and language to get through the door to get the diagnosis. And they're like, who taught them all these words? Like, now everybody has ADHD. And it's like, well, no, not everybody have, has ADHD because it's still a percentage of the population. And I can't remember what the exact stat is, but uh, it was something like 1.5 million in the UK have it, but there's only, I think it was... 48,000 or something in the thousands that actually have a formal diagnosis so it's like we know that not everyone who has it is diagnosed but now that lots of people are coming forward to get the diagnosis they're like oh there's too many oh it's just the trend oh you know it's because everyone has been saying it on TikTok and there was a nasty um post I think it was even today where someone was kind of alluding to that that you know it's become trendy to have ADHD and I think that is also another barrier now where, where people are saying, okay, I'm experiencing this. Now services are even more resistant to be like, oh, it's not, they don't want it to just be a trend. And then because the waiting lists are so long, it's almost like gatekeeping the scarce resources that they have. Um, and then you add being black on top of that, uh, being a woman, being a, a non-binary person, this thing of us not being believed when we say we're struggling or we say we're in pain and this like expectation and normalization of us suffering. So if I'm saying I'm very tired, I'm, you know, I'm exhausted. Oh, maybe your sleep hygiene. No, sis, actually, I'm struggling here, <laughs> Mrs. DR. Like, so I think there's a lack of, there's so many layers to it where there's a general problem with it, then you add on the blackness to it, um, and then that just, yeah, exacerbates the problem um, a lot. And this is why I I try as much as I can. So, like, full transparency, I, I believe that both of my children um, I think one has ADHD and the other one has autism, but they've not been diagnosed and I would really like to start them on that process. And um, I've just heard real horror stories of this, that how long it takes to get that diagnosis. And I know like Sarita's journey was long, but I've heard people talk about I, I like ridiculous numbers of years 10 years or whatever just trying to convince people that there was an issue that they needed support with so I and then on top of that you've got that whole cultural thing so I at the back of my mind I'm like gosh have I allowed this to go on longer than it should have because there's been because like we're Nigerian our families are very loud. Um, they, uh, they, when they're around our families, they have to be loud. Are they being forced to be loud to to fit in with everyone? Are they? Is it is it them having to work doubly hard to fit in culturally against what their natural preference is? Um, am I allowing that to happen? Am, am I not getting them the support they need? I'm just like in this internal turmoil constantly. But then. Like, what do I do to get out of it? Because I go to the doctor 
and they'll ask a series of questions and they'll be like well yeah no it's it's not that bad like it's it's not adhd it's not a problem like it's anxiety and depression like have some cbt and sort it out that way or they'll give some other reason like what what is it and maybe i'm just jumping the gun and asking this too soon but what can I do as a parent, what can other parents do to support their children who they suspect are struggling with some kind of neurodivergence to to get them the support that they need in the face of everything that you've said? I think like, um, like firstly, from a mindset point, I think I would say like, um, think of it as your children not uh, struggling or suffering from a neurodivergence what is actually happening is that they are struggling from the way society treats neurodivergence so for example the um, the example you gave about the party is like if their natural preference was to be a bit less uh, more quiet during the parties that the family members didn't like peer pressure them for example or didn't make like um quote-unquote jokes about like oh why are you so boring or why won't you join so that's kind of like the behaviors of the status quo that makes uh, being neurodivergent uh, much more difficult a lot of people say they are disabled by society as well as being disabled for example and I think it would also I don't know how old your kids are but it, even if they're like five or anything it's just about asking them how are you feeling what was going on today was there anything that made today really hard for you did like just ask them those questions that surround around you know what you might think that they're struggling with and, and just hear it from their words um, and note it down, like keep a journal and, and and be observant of that to to build that trend and pattern that you're seeing among your kids. Because it could be that they're just stressed about something and it's not ADHD. It could be. I don't want to like be like, oh, we're not gatekeeping, so we're not looking at the other side of it. It literally just could be that life is is life is lifing hard right now in these times and it's it's causing stress for your kids but it also could be that they may be autistic or they may um have adhd so it's just about that really um deep dive and observational assessment of the children that you know and love mm, yeah and and it's it's so true what you're saying because it's about I guess doing things that I can actually influence or control rather than worrying about the stuff that I can't like the waiting list I'm not going to be able to do anything about that but I can talk to my family members about how they interact with my children I, that that's something I can I can control so um, yeah there yeah thank you for that I agree with Salon because there will there'll be other parents out there like experiencing like similar things not being sure is this what's happening you know how how daunting the process is and because it's such a daunting process not knowing whether it's worth even starting in the first place so that's, I think it's a very valid question to ask and I agree with Salon that I feel like it's in two parts where like the first part is like they said like focusing on okay what's their need right now because regardless of what the diagnosis is there's a need um that's like missed within society um and it's like figuring out okay what can I do to accommodate those needs right now um because there are like kind of tips and hacks that you, you don't need a diagnosis to like put into place whether it's like routine building or like Salon said like having a space to like decompress because that in itself is like teaching children to regulate and like having space to reflect which is one of the executive functions that we struggle with so like 
creating that mirror for them to have that from early is actually super useful um so yeah that there's the stuff that we can do just with our own tools like you know on google on youtube what are the hacks for their specific needs um and then there's the advocating side so i know for me like um, i've ad- advocated for my nieces because they started showing signs um of adhd and because because i've gone through the process i was able to kind of use the words and language that they you know they like and I think sometimes it is about being that that troublemaker parent in school <laughs> in the GP sometimes you just have to accept that that's the label they're going to give you and it's like well you're going to call me something you know so, yeah. you're going to call me anything at least say that I've been finding out because um, education systems they do have budgets for doing um, an educational assessment they don't have a lot but they do have a budget so maybe it's pushing the SEN lead in the school you know writing out your case staying on the case so even if they're taking long to do a diagnosis asking what accommodations can be put in the school um, but they do have funding for it so I would say yeah just the perseverance and really backing your case whether it's using an advocate because there are like local advocacy services as well um, but just really having your facts ready so when they push back being able to push forward because um, the resources are there for everybody, regardless of how long the waiting list is, like we deserve it as well. So absolutely, yeah. thank you. Absolutely, Vivian. and definitely, just the last point: keep a record. And I would definitely um, have an advocate. So for me, my eldest, um, when he started secondary school, he had certain behavioural traits, and it was actually the school that said he could possibly have autism. Now, we went through the diagnosis process and he didn't have autism. However, during that time, the school kind of flipped the script and said that I had said he had autism, which gave me quite a lot of problems. And because Mm. I feel like I went in there as a black woman and when they said that he might have autism and me being me, I want the best for my child, I started reading into it. I started looking at focus groups. I was asking, what can I do? And um, I was given resources and groups for him. And it wasn't necessarily groups for people that had autism. It was groups for people going through the diagnosis process, but also had autism. Um, And yeah, Mm. the school completely flipped the script to the point where I was documented as someone who um, made up illnesses. Um, that's all sorted now because I am very thorough with my receipts and made a noise. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it was that whole black woman thing, the whole, like you said, I, I, I was authoritative. So they thought I was being defensive or loud, angry black woman. And um, yeah, it was a difficult time. But for me, um, I would definitely say keep your notes, get an advocate. So all the information isn't just coming from you as well. And if you can, involve the the your children's thoughts as much as you can. You don't have to say, well, I think you have this. But just, again, keep a record of, like, how do you feel? Um, you know, what did you do today? Did you struggle with anything? What do you enjoy doing on a day-to-day basis? Mm, yeah, thank you. So we were talking about, um, like, social media and what you see on social media, and there's, like, gatekeeping and stuff like that but I actually saw a um a Twitter thread about cutting off friends for being late <laughs> and I had to laugh because I was like oh man come on um but the, the main consensus the main consensus on there was you know um 
people, running on black people time, you know, you're just being late for the sake of being late. It's just rude keeping me there, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I know as someone who has ADHD, timekeeping is an issue for me. And I go two ways. Mm -hmm. Again, it was the whole thing of me being back. I wasn't allowed to be late. Like I'm going to get, you know, a consequence. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I overcompensate. So if I've got something at like six o'clock or whatever, I'm turning up dead on six (laughs) o'clock or half an hour early, which I've gotten, obviously, that's not great. If it's a pie, is that, well, I'll help, you know. Um, So I'm very aware of my timekeeping. I I don't want to be late, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, But again, that was an ADHD trait. and a lot of people with ADHD, um, you know, timekeeping is difficult. So my question, <laughs> in a roundabout way, do you think friendships between people with ADHD work better than between someone with um, ADHD or autism and, say, someone who is neurotypical? Um, so I saw something similar, but it was a Facebook thread. And uh, for me, like being autistic and ADHD, I'm the extreme side. I'm the person who's always trying to come up early, overcompensate. And if something is at 12, I hate it when appointments are at 12 because my whole morning is gone, sitting at the edge of my bed being like, I know if I try to do this, I will forget the 12 o'clock appointment. But also like if I am late because I've completely underestimated how long something takes I'm like oh I got two hours and I say I got two hours for an hour and a half before I then see and I'm like what's going on with my life and I'm giving play-by-play updates to my friends like oh I'm, I'm getting up to the bus stop now the bus stop the bus is coming in three minutes so in I'll be there in that bus stop by 10 minutes and then if I walk at x miles an hour I'll reach you five minutes late and my friends are oh, okay good for you but so the thing for me also is is that if I'm at a location and my friend is late, I get so anxious and I get so uneasy and I'm just like, oh, but this was my plan. We were supposed to be here. And I get really like up, like really um, agitated. So I can see both sides of the story. For me, the key thing is communication. If you know you're not going to make it, please don't lie. If you're in the shower, don't say you're, you're at Tottenham Court Road, please. Just tell me that you're not, because I might not have left my house yet. And then I can just stay home and not be outside with some person, like, trying to fob off, like, like some stuff to me. I don't know if I can swear. Um, <laughs> whilst I'm standing there awkwardly, uh, you know, I could have been at home. So for me, it's like, because I, I had a really massive meltdown once. Um, in the middle of um, anime con outside expo because I'm scared of cosplayers I don't know why like cosplayers online like it's fine but in person they just freak me the fuck out so um, they were late by like 20 minutes but they could have told me and then they tapped me and that was it I was gone for 25 minutes crying heaving all sorts but a really nice black lady who was working the platform like helped me and sat me down and stuff and it was like that was completely avoidable Um, but so for me like I wouldn't, for me, I wouldn't necessarily say ADHD and ADHDers match because I still prefer someone to be on time or communicate well with me. But I think there's more understanding, perhaps, um, and forgiveness. Um, 
where maybe some neurotypical people would just not understand the whole time uh, when time just runs away from you. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. I think, I think it's, I feel like the relationships that work, um, it's like I said, I said, like between people that can be compassionate towards each other and also communicate clearly. Um, so like, for example, my friend will give me and one of my other friends a different time to everybody else when we have gatherings because, you know, we're the two, we're the two Nigerian neurodiverse people in the group. So, you know, it's times times of timekeeping. <laughs> and I'm okay with that, you know. I feel, I feel accommodated and seen and, you know, she doesn't get upset that I'm late to stuff because she's like, she, she's got ADHD, but she's on the other side of the spectrum where she's on time all the time. And I think it is a thing of, like, compatibility, but also, like, being able to communicate that because you don't just wake up being compatible with someone. I mean, if you're lucky, then, yeah, fine. But the majority of the time, we need to communicate our differences because I'm quite, I know I'm late. Um, but at the same time, if someone's late for a meeting with me, I actually don't mind. Like, someone was late to her first date the other day, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go shopping. And, like, we're just going around, having a good time, and then ended up being late for their late time. But it's like, I don't mind, because I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I don't, time is not important to you, me. You reverse that lateness. Yeah. And then I miss, you know, part. <laughs> well, because I don't care. Do you know what I mean? It didn't really bother me, but I know I have friends that they hate it to the pits of their stomach. They despise it if I'm late. So if I'm meeting them, I will do the utmost to try and be on time. And if life happens and I'm not able to do it, then I will communicate now. Instead of like just putting my phone on silent and putting my head in the sand, I've learned to communicate, you know, just show respect for their time. So I think that's what it is. Like what matters to people as friends, I feel that we need to accommodate. So my friends know that if they're late to see me, I'm not going to care. But if they ignore my message, that's something that bothers me, for example. Whereas other friends, you can air them all week. But as long as you meet them at the end of the week, they don't care. So I think it's just like, yeah, that compassion and communication with that person. Um, and they, like Selim said, like people who are neurodiverse, because we know how it feels to not feel compassion. I feel like we're more likely to be compassionate to other people and try and like understand where they're coming from first rather than make it a moral judgment on them as a person um because i don't think someone's bad for being late but a neuro- neurotypical person will say that i don't care about something because i was late. is that sorry there's no morals in lateness <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, wake up, it's that hidden but, meaning thing yeah. again though isn't it it's that hidden meaning yeah Exactly. Wow. And like, if I give one example, once we had an ADHD babes event for a cooking event, but unfortunately it had to be rescheduled. But me and another babe uh, didn't catch the message. Well, I caught the message, but I was like, but I'm good. I was going there. So I went there just to stand, stand around. I was like, I have to complete this journey. <laughs> so I went there, but I bumped into another babe who didn't see the message. So we were going to go to the relocated place to the Black. Uh, fest like market in Hackney and we were on the bus being jovial and we were like are we taking the bus in the wrong direction like 15 minutes later so there's things like that that make it more difficult for us to be on time if we're not on our A game uh, so that's, yeah, that's one example mm-hmm. absolutely you so know, going back to the age difference <laughs> me and C did not grow up with mobile phones so can you imagine being teenagers and be like yeah meet me outside hmv or our price uh at three o'clock and your friend's not there and because i'm super super over 
understanding. I'm that friend that's waiting an hour and they didn't turn up. And I really had to struggle with working with that. So I'm like, right, if they're late, half, I'll give them half an hour. (laughs) And then I scheduled it back to 15 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So mobile phones are an absolute blessing. But when, yeah, people, I have a friend who, um, I had, obviously, had ADHD. He actually said he had ADHD, but I had no idea about it. He was notoriously late, but like an hour, two hours. So I just kind of worked around it and was like, you know what? I, when you say you're around a corner, you're actually not even in the shower yet. And I'm dressed and waiting mm. here. So I'm just going to turn up your house. And that's what I did to get around it. And it was a, like a running joke. But yeah, communication, nice. man, uh. and actually being honest. And um, yeah, that's the key. That's, that's definitely the key. And I think it's mm. also important that we recognise that with ADHD and with autism, there's no one way to be an ADHD or there's no one way to be autistic. So as you guys are explaining, some people with ADHD and autism are super early. Some people are super late. It, it kind of, it doesn't matter. It's like that there is this spectrum that everyone's operating on and that's like, we need to get that into our heads. So and at the same time as you're describing this, I'm thinking, should I get myself diagnosed? Because a lot of what you're saying is ringing true for me. And I really do think that there's something there. I think join us. Well, I know I'm on that spectrum. But yeah, I'm, I might have to join you guys because it sounds like fun where you guys are. Definitely. Hey. <laughs> part of the time, anyway. Part of the time. Um, so uh, something else that, that we wanted to understand a bit more about was you talked about friendships and and the impact of your um, diagnoses on on those. What about your relationships? What about the intimate relationships with either your partners or with family members? What impact has your diagnoses? I see Vivian. I see you. You're teeth. Like, <laughs> what impact has has this had on those relationships? Um, yeah I mean <laughs> yeah it's crazy the dunya I think um ah it is even not smarting at all <laughs> I've definitely been in relationships where like my ADHD has heavily impacted the uh, what's the word if it was a stream, it's like the ADHD is like added on tornadoes and like those spinny things where it just adds on so many elements to it. Um, I think now that I've had like a long period of being single, I can look back and see like all the things I wasn't managing and how it had an impact. So I think to me, the main thing was the emotional regulation because um, it means in an argument, it's like zero to 100 and like the, I can't then control my tone and my volume because I'm just like up here and then that doesn't feel good for the other person. Um, and then little things like being late to stuff, forgetting stuff, losing stuff. Like I remember one time I lost my car and they were so stressed and I was just like, well, I mean, this is just part of my life. <laughs> it's really not a big deal, but they were lost- stressed. I'm asking the question I to understand <laughs> I don't drive but I get out the car but I'm like I don't know where you park <laughs> yeah okay you lost your car yeah different types one time it's because it got picked up and towed because I parked at the wrong place the second time I just generally couldn't remember where I parked okay that happened to me as well yeah <laughs> and I was so wow. calm about it like oh awesome. okay yeah, but they were so stressed, and I think even that, like, I wasn't aware that because this is my life, it's just normal to me. But to somebody else, like, this is super stressful for them. So it's just made me a lot more like 
compassionate of how, like, you know, I'm living in my ADHD bubble, but that doesn't make it easier for someone that's trying to learn to love and understand me. So, yeah, it, it's impacted a lot. Um, definitely, you know, when I reflect, I've even apologised to exes before. I've been like, I'm actually really sorry that I was that way because I wasn't managing myself because I didn't know any better. And now I do. Um, and just really owning that because I know that there's brilliant parts of my ADHD, but those parts, when I weren't handling it, they're not the person that I want to be. So, like, really making a distinction between those two people. Um, yeah, for me... Um... I don't do that dating stuff because it's just too stressful. So like I've been joking to my friends, like once I get that premium therapy and like heal the 30 years of trauma that I've, uh, consecutive trauma experiences that I've gone through, perhaps I'll give Bumble Hinge or whatever the top app when I, when, when I'm, you know, <laughs> healed up is at the time, you know, but mm. at this point in time, I just don't think it's fair to myself. And I don't think it's fair to a future partner um, to get into a relationship because literally I get bored of people like 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 a chocolate bar. Like, you know, one, one week you're like, mm, I could have this chocolate bar every day. And you're like, your teeth are crying out for mercy. And then the next week, I'm just like, what is this trash? Why is it in my mouth? <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> and I'm the same with people. I'm like, nah, this conversation isn't hitting anymore. So I need to not talk to you for a couple of weeks. Imagine that was my my boyfriend. Like, I'm literally like, no, you're not doing it for me. Your existence, your presence, go away. Like, how would they feel? And uh, yeah, there's just so many things that I just think I need to heal and resolve and then uh, learn about myself. Um, yeah, so I don't date, but in terms of family, it's just let me understand my parents more because I 100% think they're neurodivergent. It hasn't healed any relationships, unfortunately. It's a very uh, awful experience that I've had in my family-wise, but it just lets me understand at least instead of just being like, why, 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 why is this happening and having that kind of turmoil um so yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense and I think that's I think that's fundamental for anyone really to absolutely know yourself heal that trauma understand relationships before you even get into one so I kind of did everything backwards I I got married early then had a child then got divorced then had a child then got married and had to go on that journey um knowing uh, of knowing myself but also being a mother and being a wife and then the other person's working on themselves as well so it's definitely been like that whereas you know if you do it the right way around as in you know know yourself first and understand relationships and know how to communicate it, it's gonna be better in the it's all run. good you were doing the apprenticeship you were learning on the job yeah yeah, yeah I definitely was I definitely was and now I can relax and be like I know that you mean this, but you haven't figured it out yet. So I'm sitting there all smug because I've done all therapy and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I understand you, but I'll wait for you to catch up and be on my page. <laughs> um, Love that um, for you. <laughs> thank you. What can we learn about communities like ADHD Babes? Um, how important is it for all of us to align ourselves with friends and counterparts who understand our way of thinking? I think it's priceless. Um, yeah. Sorry, we d- we both oh, have the same pause counter. You go first, Vivian. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's priceless. I think genuinely, um, 
I don't think I would be at the stage I'm at now in terms of like my self-acceptance, even though it's still a journey, like I don't know if you ever arrive, um, but the, the process of the self-acceptance, I would not have been here without ADHD babes. Like sometimes it genuinely feels like a film where I'm just like, no, how are you reading my diary like this? Like this is scary. But I think that is part of the beauty of it, I think having um i'm such a big believer in like um african philosophy and like philosophy is like ubuntu and like um, i am because we are like i feel like in the west we're very much taught to be individualized and like you know what's that whole bootstrap whatever like everything is about being self-made and i categorically disagree with that and i really feel like interdependence is the best way forward like being able to identify your strengths and weaknesses within a group so that you can all lean on each other to get to like that shared goal um and for me yeah honestly it's been like it's been life-changing um I don't yeah I'm, I wouldn't be the person I am without the experience and without the community and they're really just yeah like someone said like sometimes you go to a support group and it just feels like ah like it's like a reset it's it's like walking in, in the rain like you just yeah it just feels like a, a spot in all of the like chaos where there's just a bit of like, okay this makes sense and then when you go back into the chaos, you can at least look back and be like, all right, it made sense over there. So I'm sure at some point, again, it's going to make sense a little bit more. A hundred percent. It's a total catharsis to be mm-hmm. in this group. Um, like I've gone into support groups um feeling just at the pits like being like oh I'm not gonna talk today I'm I'm just gonna listen and then (laughs) yeah the lies we tell ourselves you know (laughs) but you know coming out feeling just that weight off the shoulders and for me uh, I grew up in kind of an environment where it was like don't talk about what's happening in the house don't talk about anything don't just be quiet to like going on the other end where I just have really poor regulation with oversharing because I went from the extreme of not being allowed to say anything in very, very difficult times to just being like, someone will be like, oh, is that your bicycle? I'll be like, yeah, so when I was a kid, this happened to me. It's like, well, nobody, nobody's asking, so be quiet. <laughs> but like ADHD babes, just like... Honestly, they've they've saved me in this chapter of my life, I have to say. They've really saved me in this chapter of my life. And I agree 100% with Vivian that, you know, life is a journey. And I always say life is a school. Um, Not to trigger anyone who hated school, but life is just continuously learning and, like, shedding your old skin. Like, like we're we're snakes, but in a good sense, that we're constantly renewing our skin and and things like that. And um, it's just about being able to overcome the hurdles um, because I'm I'm overcoming a hurdle right now and it's ADHD babes and the people within the groups that just keep me um, going even if the thread is really thin. So community is so important and having that shared experience is so, so important. Even when you have allies who are like there for you, sometimes you just need that person who just understands in some shape or form somewhat what you're going through it's different to be like oh yeah that diarrhea I know it's horrible but if they're in the cubicle next to you being like why did we go to that restaurant it's different so yeah (laughs) so (laughs) you need if you're not already to be in stand-up comedy please can I just say like the world is calling out for you there's a gap in the market definitely (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. It's funny that the whole oversharing thing. <laughs> I wish we discussed that because do you know what question I struggle with the most? And it's a simple thing. And it's like when people are like, You're right. And I'm like, Do they actually want to know? And do I say? And it's like, Right. And sometimes I'm like, Yeah. And then other times I'm like, Well, do you know what? This happened. And I woke up late. And then, and they just, you'll see their face just going down, down, down. My partner's usually like, they didn't actually want to know. That's like, a trap. There was no question mark. There they wasn't are. a question mark. It was a full stop. Right. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah, every conversation is a trap. <laughs> so, guys, what is next for ADHD babes? What's happening in 2023 since we're almost at the end of 2022? We are. Uh, so uh, we hope and pray that we continue with our support group. Um, we've got like really good feedback from everyone this year so what I'm really hoping to do is like take what everyone's feedback is and have like a really good timetable and clear schedule of like this is what people wanted this is how we're going to do it Uh, we launched our membership earlier this year so really hoping that that's going to bring in some stable income so we can start paying the team check out our website um so yeah this this like next year is very much about trying to stabilize where we're at because at the moment we're all volunteer led we don't have like a regular stream of income so just to really like get some stable ground so this thing can continue to exist and it's not something that like leads to burnout um so yeah I think next year is going to be about building foundations based on what the community want what they've asked for what they need um and yeah trying to really form those partnerships with other communities that are like we share ethos so again like we're kind of supporting each other to stay where we are um yeah that's the hope and aim amazing amazing and um where can our lovely audience find you on socials we are on socials uh yeah, yeah, we're online. Um, our website is ADHDbabes.com. All our socials are the same, ADHD Babes with an S on the end. Um, and you can also check out our podcast, ADHD Babes the Podcast. Fantastic. I will be sure to put that on our blog, which will accompany this amazing podcast episode, which will be available on womenwhorebrand.com. Thank you, both of you, for joining us. This was such a fun episode. Probably more for me than C, but yeah. <laughs> No, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm telling you, I'm on the spectrum. I'm there with you guys. I'm serious. I'm serious. You just, you watch this space. Join us. Plenty of room. I'm bringing my kids as well. We're all coming. Trust me. It's true. It's true. Definitely. We're we're the same. We're kin. I knew it. I knew it. Thank you so much. And um, thank you. We'll be sure to um, connect online and share um, all of your information on the blog post, like I said. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.